Welcome to Liquid Church Media. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered live at Liquid Church by Pastor Tom Kang. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins. My life is kind of crazy. Like the time my brothers dumped me in a ditch to make a buck. Or the time my boss's wife hit on me. Hmm? That was awkward. I took the rap board, too. Stuff happens that can make anyone mad. But when God's in control, sometimes crazy is the new normal. Do I sound like a madman? My name is Joe. And you never saw this coming. And you never saw this coming. So true, so true. Well, hey everyone, I'm Pastor Tom, and I want to welcome you to the kickoff of this brand new series called Mad Man. And let me start by asking a very simple question now. Be honest. I need you to be very honest. How many of you have ever heard or saw the drama series Mad Men, right? Can I raise your hand? Okay, good. A little bit of guilty pleasure there. Okay, I know, I know. This is the crowd that uh, just watches wholesome stuff like uh, Discovery Channel and all that stuff. Little House on the Prairie. I get it. So, for those of you who have never heard of this story or never heard of this drama, you need to know that this series, Mad Men, has actually won the last three Golden Globe Awards and back-to-back Emmys for outstanding drama series. And it's based on the steamy New York City advertising business in the 1960s, where the main character, this guy named Don Draper, is the biggest marketing man and ladies' man in the business, okay? Uh, It's a little bit of a steamy drama series. I know, I know. Well, we just want to welcome you to the mad new world. Only here, we're going to be keeping pace with a madman in the Old Testament named Joseph, or your ordinary average Joe, or as I like to call him, Joe Cool. And I actually call him that because this Joe faces everything from the very mundane, like, you know, family favoritism and sibling rivalry to the absolute maddening, like false accusations of rape or or a lifetime prison sentence. Yet through it all, Joe remains cool. Like, like ice water running through his veins. Now, how is that possible? I mean, how do you get to that point in life where no matter what happens, where no matter how bad things sort of spin out of control, you never freak out. You stay cool and crazy somehow becomes the new normal, only in a good way. Only a madman in the hands of God can actually show us the way. And no, his name isn't Don Draper. His name is Joe. And his story is told to us in the book of Genesis, chapter 37. I'm going to invite everyone here to turn in your scriptures and your Bibles to page 27, Genesis 37. I'm going to invite you to turn there. And as, we, as you do, I'm going to, let, let me point out for you, uh, when, when we're first introduced to Joe, he's just a 17-year-old kid. Imagine this. 
He's just a 17-year-old kid, but by the time he's done, you know, sort sort of showing us the ropes, he's a full-grown man in his 40s with a whole lot of drama having happened in between. In fact, if you were to do this, if you were to sort of map out, if you were to draw Joseph's life, it did not look like anything of the stuff that his ancestors' lives looked at, like like Abraham, Isaac, or Jacob. It didn't look like any of their lives. As a matter of fact, it didn't even look like our more Western, you know, sophisticated American dream, right? If you were to draw out uh, the the American dream, what would it look like, right? It would would look like something like this, right? It It would look up and where? To the right, right? That's our American dream. We always constantly want to be going up and to the right. But it didn't look anything like that. Joseph's life, let me tell you this, Joseph's life, he, it looked a lot more like this. There we go, like that. Okay? Everyone go ahead and draw that in your notes. I think you have got some space in your notes to draw that. Okay? And as you're doing that, I want to share with you some reasons why Joseph's life looked like a downward spiral. Okay, let me show you why, okay? As you draw that in your notes, uh, it, it all started, I know this isn't true in your life, it's true in Joseph's life, but not yours. In Joseph's life, it all started out with this. This is what started the downward spiral. Can you see that? What's that word say there, right? Family, right? I know it's not true about your life. We're talking about Joe, okay? With Joe, it all started out with him. Have you ever noticed? I just want to pause here for a second. Have you ever noticed if you watch TV these days, all the shows, all the sitcoms, they all feature dysfunctional families, right? You think of like modern family, you think of the family guy, you think of desperate housewives, real housewives, real housewives of New Jersey. It's all like this dysfunction in our families. For Joseph, it was the same exact thing. As a matter of fact, for Joseph, his family actually led him towards one of these, pit. His brothers, actually, we're going to see later on in the story, they actually threw him down this cistern, this literal pit. And, and they actually left him there for dead. Only, only they decided, you know what? We could actually, you know, if we play our cards right here, we could actually make a buck off of him. Why just leave him there for dead? Why don't we sell him? Why don't we try to take advantage of him, like, like reality TV? Why don't we just try to take advantage of him and make a buck off of our brother who we just threw in the pit why don't we try to make a buck and, and sell them into slavery? Now, you know what? We're talking about dramas here. We're talking about mad men, mad man, Joseph, all this stuff. It, you can't have a drama without, let's just be honest now, without some of this, right? All dramas need that. And Joseph's life, it was filled with one of these as well, one of these episodes as well. As a matter of fact, it got so dramatic. We all face temptations, different kinds, different ways. Joseph, he just, he faced the biggest sexual temptation you could possibly, Joseph, let's put it this way, he was actually, his boss's wife actually made a pass at him, right, she was very aggressive about it as well, and Joseph, I don't know, I don't know what happens to you when you face temptations of all different kinds, but when Joseph, when Joseph faced this temptation, it was such a strong temptation, and she was so persistent, when Joseph faced it, He actually, he didn't budge. He did not give in. 
he actually held firm. He, he, he didn't give in to this. But what, where did that land him? What actually happened? He, it, well, he wound up in one of these. I don't know if you have uh, legal troubles in your life or anything like that, but, but uh, Joseph holding strong, not giving into temptation, he still wound up in one of these, right? Down in jail. So it just gets worse and worse and worse. This downward spiral, this was the life of Joe in a nutshell. A mad, mad world with plenty of drama on a long sort of downward spiral. All of this drama. Now here's the deal, folks. Like many dramas, the story of Joseph's life is actually broken into a number of episodes, just like any drama. As a matter of fact, in Joseph's life, I don't know if you can see this here, but there were three particular episodes, three key episodes. And today's first episode, the one that sort of kicks off this downward, ever-increasing spiral, the first episode of Joseph's drama is right here. It all started with family. La familia, right? Now, I'm gonna, I'm, I don't want to spoil the other episodes right now. There are two others, but for our sake right now, for this first one, we're going to see how it all starts out, this whole downward spiral, with a little bit of family drama. And I need to ask everyone here, does anybody here have any little bit of family drama in your life, I can't, people are laughing. Any family drama in your life, okay? It's okay, you don't have to raise your hands or anything like that, okay? But know this, know this, hear me now. If your home life isn't exactly, you know, leave it to Beaver, <laughs> the Cosby Show, right? A Brady Bunch. If your home life isn't exactly like that, you need to know you're not alone. You're actually in good company. In fact, check out this madness straight from the scriptures. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, and he brought their father a bad report about them. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons, because he had been born to him in his old age, and he made a richly ornamented robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, Listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brothers said to him, Do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. A bratty, braggadocious punk who totally rats out his siblings. Parents who blatantly show favoritism towards one child and intense sibling rivalry, even hatred. Storyline for some daytime soap? No way. This is just another episode in the mad, mad world of Joe. I I mean, do you see the family dysfunction here? Uh, The the Bible actually says this. Now, Israel, that's just another name from Jacob, which is actually Joseph's uh, father here. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than 
any of his other sons, and he made a richly ornamented robe for him. Okay, so here we go. The drama starts to unfold, right? You see this here? Okay. Now just, just imagine, imagine this is happening in your own home, okay? Have you ever seen anything like this? I'm not actually talking about the, I'm not talking about like the Broadway musical, you know, Joseph in the Technicolor coat, your dream coat, you know, go, 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 Joseph, you know what they say. No, I'm not talking about that. No, no. What I'm asking you is this. Have you ever seen this kind of blatant, obvious favoritism in a family? The the sort of obvious seed for envy and jealousy and hatred, maybe, maybe even in your own family. Like, you know what, maybe you have a brother or a sister who, who sort of, you, you just know, they know, they, they've always been the favorite one, right? Mo, you know, daddy's little girl, a, a big mama's boy, somehow always getting something better, nicer, shinier, cooler, just better than you, better than anyone else, somehow always getting the attention and the affection that you have always wanted. Because if you've ever felt that way, if you know what that feels like, then you already have a great idea of where this is headed. Check this out, verse 4. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they, what? What's the word there? Hated. They hated him and could not speak a kind word to them. There's nothing like a little bit of family love, huh? And this is outrageous, right? And then add to that the fact that Joe, like this little sort of peacock, you know, strutting out his chest, right? He starts rattling off these, he just must be so oblivious. He rattles off these two dreams where he says that his brothers are actually bowing down to him. Let me tell you something here, okay? Let me just, if you're the run of the litter, you do not go around to your older brother saying, you're going to bow down to me one day. You just don't do that unless you want to get popped, Right? Verse 8, his brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they, what's the word? Hated him all the more because of his dreams and what he had said. Folks, are you starting to feel a little bit of the tension here? Now the truth is, there's probably, there's, I'm, just, I'm just guessing here, there's probably a little bit of family drama, one way or another, in all of our lives. Can I get an amen? amen. Oh, wow, okay. <laughs> Lord knows, Lord knows, I've got my own share. Okay? Some of you already know this, but uh, I've got a sister who's actually six years younger than me. And uh, I'll just be totally honest with you. I love my sister and my parents to pieces. I would do anything for them. But that does not mean we've always had it easy. Doesn't mean we've always had a smooth run of things. No. Uh, now, listen, I am not about to air out my, you know, dirty laundry. Okay, I don't know if you noticed this. I am Asian, so I do get the whole family honor thing. Okay, this isn't about that. Okay? But you see, growing up, I was the favorite. I know this is a surprise to some of you. You're like, what? That's a crazy family. But yeah, I, I was. I was. I got all the attention, and, and, I, and I didn't realize it at the time, but it's totally true. Like, for instance, the time when I was 17. When I was 17, year old, 17 years old, the, the day I got my license, 
I got, my parents bought me a brand new car, a 92 Toyota Celica. I just, I still remember that thing. Okay, I love that, right? When my sister, who's six years younger, grew up and she finally got her license, she got this used, beat-up clunker. And that's a big deal, right? That's a big deal to a teenager, right? Uh, I'm the one that got the good grades, I'm the one that was vice president of my junior and senior class. I'm the one that was on the football team. I'm the one that was on the lacrosse team. I went to Johns Hopkins. I went to Columbia. And, and, and so the, by the time my, my little sister, okay, grows up and, and she enters high school, the same high, high school that I went to, all my former teachers, this is six years later, all my former teachers are like, oh my goodness, you're Tommy's little sister. Oh, Tommy this and Tommy that. And she would see some of my awards that I won on the, on the high school wall and stuff like that and newspaper clippings and all this stuff. And then when she got home, when she got home, don't you know, it was always, you know, well, why can't you be like your older brother? Why can't you do this and why can't you do that, right? Now, just imagine this constant feeling of, of somehow not measuring up, feeling less than, always, always just feeling less than, less appreciated, less accepted, less noticed, less loved. Imagine that. And so, so, so as she's going through this, do, do you know what happened next? Honestly, your tr- true story, all, What happened next was only the single most heartbreaking and scary thing in my little family history drama. In her senior year, my sister disappeared. She actually ran away from home. Why? Because she was done. And who could blame her, right? I certainly didn't. Especially since all this time, while everyone was just loving on Tommy, just love, love, loving on Tommy, Tommy this and Tommy that, my sister, she actually knew who I really was. A selfish, arrogant, immature, hypocritical jerk. And so sure, I got the good grades and I was the vice president. I got the new car. But she also knew, and she was the only one that knew, that I was also the one sneaking out at nights to get high with my friends while leaving her Alone at home, this nine-year-old girl, this nine, ten-year-old girl, terrified. I, she'd be crying and begging me not to go, but I was too cool for school. Leaving her home alone, terrified, while my parents were away on these weekend church retreats. What do you think that does to a little girl's mind? I'm a father of three little girls. What do you think that does to a little girl's heart? I know this. It can't be anything good. And then, of course, oh, this is the kicker. To top it all off, years later, (laughs) who's the one who turns all goody two-shoes into this sort of religious Jesus freak? Who's the one that did that? Yeah, you're looking at him. 
I'm the one who later accepted Jesus into my heart. I'm the one who starts walking with the Lord. I'm the one who goes off to seminary. And I'm the one who becomes a pastor. Look at me. Man of the Word. Man of God. And I'm the one who tries telling my little sister that she needs this same Jesus in her life. Yeah, how do you think that conversation goes? Would it be any surprise to you then that my own sister wants nothing to do with this stuff? All all this stuff? She wants nothing to do with it. Would that surprise any of you? And so, yeah, family, family right here, it's complicated. And though I wish I could stand here today and say to every single one of you, I wish I could say this, I wish I could say, oh, but now years later, praise Jesus, I've been walking with the Lord. Years later with the Lord in my life, everything is wonderful. My family and and all my relationships, they're all just blossoming. They are firing at all cylinders. You know, I just, I wish I could say it. Praise the Lord, but I got to be honest. I got to be honest. All of this family drama for me today, this was years ago, but there is still tension, real tension to this very day stuff that we are still trying to navigate through i can't lie to you and again i love my sister to death so how about it folks anyone else here anyone else here have have issues with family maybe an estranged brother or sister Maybe you're jealous of her or, or he's jealous of you. Or, or maybe there's a s- strong but silent, it's so silent but so strong rivalry or bitterness that goes unchecked to this day. Or maybe, maybe there's a black sheep in your family. Maybe you're the black sheep in your family. I don't know, right? Or, or maybe you have a parent who you haven't talked to in years. And, and just, the thought of, uh, just the thought of talking to them just makes you all tense. Maybe it's an in-law. Maybe it's an overbearing mom who, who just absolutely just smothers you to death. Maybe it's an abusive father who you still sort of tiptoe around to this very day, even though you're a full-grown adult. My guess, my guess, is that I'm actually not the only one here with, with an episode or two of family drama. Right? And so understand this. And this isn't a threat so much as it is a promise or or a guarantee. Left to its own course, if you just let that bitterness and hurt and fear fester, do, do you know where it all leads? It actually leads towards hatred. And scripture says, hate is murder in the heart. That that it's only a matter of time before it all comes out. And when it does all come out, it is ugly. It is so ugly. 
Maybe, maybe even so ugly it looks a little bit like this. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the richly ornamented robe he was wearing, and they took him and threw him into the cistern. Now the cistern was empty. There was no water in it. As they sat down to eat their meal, they looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their camels were loaded with spices, balm, and myrrh, and they were on their way to take them down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, What will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. Then they got Joseph's robe, slaughtered a goat, and dipped the robe in the blood. They took the ornamented robe back to their father and said, We found this. Examine it to see whether it is your son's robe. He recognized it and said, It is my son's robe. Some ferocious animal has devoured him. Joseph has surely been torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes, put on a sackcloth, and mourned for his son many days. All his sons and daughters came to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. No, he said. In mourning, I will go down to the grave to my son. So his father wept for him. You know, Joseph's robe, it already had a lot of colors. But his brothers decided that it was missing just one more. What was that color? Yeah, blood red. Now, I just want you to imagine for a moment here, just, just, just think. Can you imagine your own family, your own brothers stripping you and ripping your robe and just tearing it apart and throwing you into a pit, actually leaving you there for dead? They left him there for dead. Only, only later on realizing, hey, actually, we can make a buck off of him, so let, let's not do that. And then they actually staged his death. They staged his death to mom and dad. Oh, my gosh, you'll never believe what happened. Is, is this like the robe that you gave him? Can you imagine a more cruel way to treat your own family? But, folks, that's exactly what can happen, even in, especially in a family where bitterness and hatred and jealousy have their own way, just sort of spiraling downward and downward and downward. I will never forget, it happened right here at Liquid Church last year. A woman came out of the service. I don't even know what pastor, I don't forget what Pastor Tim's message was, but this woman came out and she goes, I'd rather die than speak to or even look at my brothers and my sister again. Let me ask you something. Exactly how long, how dysfunctional do things have to become before they get that ugly? And do you know something? Something like, do you know what that actually does to your soul? to your heart, 
to the hearts of everyone surrounding. Do you realize, I know we don't realize this at the time, but do you realize everyone around you can sense the tension? Do you know that? You're not fooling anybody. Everyone gets that it's there. Everyone feels it. It's absolutely cancerous and it spreads. It is contagious. I mean, just just notice what it did to the Father's heart right here. What, What does Scripture say? Verse 34, then Jacob tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and mourned for his sons many days. All his sons and daughters came to comfort him. But what did he do? He refused to be comforted. I know for a fact, some of you right now, this moment, you right now are so grieved by a situation in your family, not only can you not see a way out, you don't even want to see a way out. If it was right there in front of you, you would not take it. You've actually grown accustomed to sort of, sort of walking around with this sort of relational limp. And you've become like Joseph's father who refused, absolutely refused to be comforted. No, he said, in mourning will I go down to the grave to my son. Maybe, maybe you feel this way about someone in your own family. About someone that that, that should be very close to you. Or, or, maybe you feel like you're actually on the other side of this equation. Maybe you are the Joseph in your particular circumstance. Right? And, and now somehow you're not even so sure how or why, but, but you're Joseph and, and you just, you wound up in this downward spiral. You, you don't even know how that even happened. Right? Cause, cause you find yourself in this pit and, and, and understand this, okay? Understand this. This richly ornamented robe that Joseph received from his father, this actually formed Joseph's identity. It, it was almost like a birthright. It was a sign of the father's affection. It was a sign of the father's love. And to have it literally stripped, taken away from him violently while he lay abandoned in in a pit, okay? That's how he felt. That may be how some of you today feel right now towards your heavenly father. Like maybe God has abandoned you. Maybe, maybe you're thinking God has forgotten you and he's left you inside of a pit. I mean, I mean maybe you used to know and feel the warmth of, of God the Father. You had this close relationship with him and you felt his love and you felt his warmth and embrace. But now, no way, no, 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 no. Now you feel cold and abandoned like you're in the bottom of a pit and you're like, I can't see anything anything good actually coming from this this is nuts what's the whole point of all this do you know what's crazy that's not even the half of it because let me give you a sneak peek here we we got family right and he winds up in a pit next week let me give you a little sneak peek here you know where he winds up next week right here just just a little peek okay right here did you see that that's enough right okay right there yeah yeah i'll, I'll say he winds up in prison what, 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 what's that all about? Joe goes from the, from the pit to prison. Why? Because sometimes the truth is, and I think some of us, we, we, many of us, we know this, sometimes the truth is things actually have to get worse before they actually get better. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. 
Sometimes things actually have to get worse before they get better. But what's absolutely incredible, what's absolutely incredible about this whole diagram, about this whole downward spiral, is that all this time, while Joe keeps falling downward, downward down the spiral, not hearing anything from God, and and just feeling totally abandoned, kicking and screaming his whole way down, down, down this spiral. What's going on? Where are you, God? What is happening? I can't... All of this time, guess what? Guess who's working behind the scenes over time? Yeah, I heard someone say, God, God is absolutely working behind the scenes. God, the whole time, is doing what only God can do. He's doing what only God can orchestrate to the point where years later, you're not going to believe this, but years later, this same Joseph who's free-falling down this whole downward spiral, in a moment of clarity, years later, we'll see it in the other episodes, years later, he says, he realizes in this moment of clarity, oh my goodness, what was originally intended for evil... God has actually used every single piece, every morsel, every moment, every tear, every pain. He has used every single piece for good. For good. As a matter of fact, this is fascinating. Another little sneak peek here. By the time we get to the last episode, episode number three, the last chapter of Genesis, so to speak, Joe's last word to these brothers who stripped him, who threw him into this pit, who sold him and left him for dead. Joe's actual last words to them are these. Genesis chapter 50 says this. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for what? Good. Folks, do you see how apart from God in the equation, this is all madness? Do you see that? Yeah, you know, even in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul reminds believers, and I know many of you have this memorized, but it's true. And we know that in all things, all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. So even even if all you can see and feel is pain and chaos and loss and and just family just going down, 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 even if that's all that you can feel, just this downward, downward spiral, you need to know one thing. You need to know this right here. You may, you may feel this. This is our perspective. This is our episode. This is what we feel in our job. We feel one layer at a time. But God above, God above looks down and he sees this. You and I, we feel this. We feel this whirlwind. We feel this tornado. One layer at a time, this downward spiral. But our God above, our God above has a different angle. Our God above has a different perspective of our things. Our God above sees it this way. You intended to harm me, but God intended for what? Good. In other words, we see and feel things from this angle, 
from this perspective, one layer at a time, but God sees the whole thing. God above sees the whole picture from top down, so to speak, an aerial shot, if you will. He's got this angle. He's got this perspective. But you and I, we don't always see it this way. We don't always feel it this way. We feel it this way. We feel it from that side perspective, but he's got the top down version. And so when God above looks down, he has in mind the whole picture. He has in mind every single character. He has in mind every single episode. He sees the whole landscape and he is working it all out for good. Now some of you are like, well, how does that happen? How does that happen, right? But by the end of Genesis, by the time we get to our third episode here, by the time we get to the final chapters of Genesis, we're going to see how Joseph he actually winds up in the penthouse. In other words, he goes from the pit to prison to the penthouse, to the palace, so to speak. And I I don't just mean for his own personal gain. It's not like he hit the lottery here, okay? We're going to actually see how from the very very beginning, from the very get-go, God actually worked out a path to specifically place, hand select, hand pick Joe, and specifically place him in a certain position to save not only himself and a nation, but also his family, also his brothers from certain death. God had that whole thing planned out. God actually had the big picture in mind, even though Joseph felt it from this perspective. One drama one episode after another. And maybe, maybe this is you today. Maybe you're going through, you know, maybe you're going through this sort of a spiral here, right? And you're like, oh man, yeah, I, I just don't see it. I, this is so miserable. And God is nowhere inside. I don't feel him. I don't hear him. I don't see him. He's abandoned me. Could you, I'm asking you, I'm asking you for favor right now. Could you on faith, could you on faith, just, I, I get that it's only the first week. I get that you don't buy this yet. I get it. I get it. I, I know, I'm with you. I hear you. But could you right now on faith just trust that God who sees things from, a God, from above, who seems invisible to you right now, would you believe that God is still here? He is still present behind it all, actually at the center of it all. And and that what may look like harm to you, what may feel like harm to you right now, is all part of God's master plan for your good. Not only your good, but the good of everyone surrounding you. Good that you cannot possibly see right now. You can't see it. I know it's crazy. It's maddening. But it is the story of Joseph. And it's actually, if you think about it, our story as well. In fact, my hunch is the reason why, I don't know if you know this, my hunch is the reason why more is written about Joseph than any of his other ancestors. And I'm talking about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as well. Those are some heavy hitters. You don't just sort of, you know, dust them under the rug. These are Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. More is written about Joseph 
And my hunch is the reason why more is written about him is because unlike any of those other ancestors, his father, his grandfather, his great-great-grandfather, unlike any of them who always, they were constantly experiencing like these grand visions, these grand callings. God would literally speak to them in an audible voice, a voice that the same way that you can hear my voice, they would actually hear God's audible voice speaking to them. But most of us, most of us, I don't know about you, but most of us, we're like, just like an ordinary Joe. Right? I, I just, I, that's, that's how it is. We're just like an ordinary Joe who sort of just goes through life, and we go through these cycles, and we go through these downward spirals, and, and we experience all this stuff, and, and, and we never really hear, not in the way that the Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob did, we don't really hear God's audible voice. I mean, wouldn't that be great? Go here. Marry her. Take this job. We don't have that kind of audible hearing from God, right? So know this. Know and trust. Knowing and trusting that there's a God who even though I can't see him, even though all I'm experiencing is this stuff, to know that we have a God who's still present, even though I don't feel his presence, that he's still in control and that he's intending for our good. You know what? That's something that actually speaks to my heart. And my prayer for the rest of this series is that that would be the same thing that speaks to your heart as well. In fact, you know, as, as you walked in today, you were handed, you were handed one of these, right? This, this richly ornamented piece of fabric. It's not actually that richly. It's kind of, it's, it's, uh, whatever. <laughs> but you got one of these. That's the point, right? You got one of these, okay? And my guess is, that you can actually identify on some level, on some level, some of you deeper than others, but on some level, my guess is that you can identify a little bit uh, with, with this fabric with, with someone today, something representative in your life. Again, maybe, maybe someone in your family, or, or maybe it's a loved one that, that hasn't received Christ yet. Maybe, maybe it's someone uh, you, you have an ongoing family feud with, or, or maybe, maybe for many of you, some of you, it's, maybe it's like a cold war. You know what I'm talking about, right? I mean, you're polite to one another, you're civil, but there's no warmth. There's no warmth there. There's no real care or concern there. Because, and usually it's because of some, some sort of thing that happened in the way past, and you don't even remember what it's about. And, and so now you're just like Joseph's father. You're like, no way. I will take this down to the grave with me. I refuse to be comforted. Is it possible? Would you be willing to, first of all, capture, capture that thought? Capture that relationship in your mind and in your heart. Would you, would you be willing to capture that person's name and to actually write it down on your connection card? Because that is God speaking to you. That is God stirring your heart. Write it down on the connection card. And truth is, we all go through a little bit of madness one way or another. So go ahead and write it down on your connection card so that we can pray for you and with you. Speaking of which... I know with a topic like this, I know for many of you, you've actually given up hope. You actually don't even want to pray anymore. I get it. For some of you, it's actually for good reason. I do not blame you. I get that. And so you feel like, you know what? I don't even have an ounce of strength. I don't even have an ounce of will to pray. I don't want to pray anymore. I get that. And so even though you may not want to pray, I'm here to tell you that we want to pray for you. Our pastors, people on staff, volunteers, we have a volunteer team of uh, 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 people that just want to pray. We want to pray for you, so help us do that. Fill out your connection card. Let us know.
who that person is. And then finally, take out that piece of cloth again. Have it in your hand there, okay? Would you be willing to say, would you be willing to say as, as you have this in your hand, that what, what may have been intended to harm me, I, I'm actually going to believe. Or no, 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 no. Actually, that's not even the right way to say it. I'm actually going to suspend my disbelief. I'm going to suspend my disbelief for two stinking weeks. For about two more weeks, I'm going to suspend my disbelief and I'm going to believe that God can use this. What what once represented the Father's love and His warmth and, and His presence in my life, the Father's favor, and then suddenly it was stripped away, it was torn, it was shredded, that God can even use this somehow for good. So I'm going to ask that you let this serve as a reminder for you over the next two weeks or so. Just sort of, you know what, you can carry it in your pocket. I'm carrying mine in my pocket. You can put it in your car. You can just uh, pin it into your cubicle at work. You put it in your purse. You put it in your wallet. Whatever it is, this is between you and God. Only God knows what or who this represents in your life. So don't don't just tuck it away. Don't just throw it away, okay? Keep it. Okay, and, and, and may it serve as, as a reminder that you've got some stuff to deal with, with God and with others. Like for me, honestly, honestly, this right here, this to me is my sister. This is my sister. And, and, and for the next two weeks or so, I am going to keep this thing out. And it is going to remind me that God, he's still in control. He's still at the center of things. And no matter what kind of bad history we've had in the past, God knows. God loves her just as much as he loves me. And I'm going to entrust my relationship with my sister to God. This is going to help me remember that. Because you know what? I'm a forgetful person. I'm dumb. I'm stupid. I, I, I forget things a lot. I need these physical reminders. My prayer is that this would serve the same purpose for you. I want to encourage you to pray that way as well. I pray that God would show himself in the middle of all of this. That God would show himself that he can be working for your good in spite of all the harm. And I want to encourage you to pray that way too. That God would show himself good even in the midst of all your drama. Even when you never saw it coming. In a moment, I'm going to ask our campus pastor to lead us in a time of response. We've got different response stations, but for right now, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, Lord, we're, we've all got family. And, and uh, I thank you that your word is so honest and it is so true. And I seriously can't think of one single example in the Bible of a family that's got it all together. It just, every family just seems so dysfunctional, God. Even Jesus' family, just forgetting him at the temple. Just every family just seems so dysfunctional. And God, I'm right there. I am right there. And I'd be a fool to think that I'm, I'm different. I'd be a fool to think even as a husband and as a father that I would lead my family differently, Lord. I, I know that it's, it's just bound to happen. So God, I just pray that you would be at the center of it all. 
I pray that through all the drama and all the episodes of life, God, I, I, I don't always feel it. I don't always see it your way. Many of us, we don't always see it. We don't always feel it your way. All, all, we just get so wrapped up in the intensity and the drama of the moment. But I pray, Father, that you would help us to remember that you are at the center of it all. And that what may have been intended to harm us, you have intended for good. And that you actually specialize in redemption. That's where we're going to hang our faith on. That you are a God who specializes in redemption. We thank you so much. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Liquid Church Media. If you were inspired or challenged by today's message, we hope you'll tell a friend. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins.